Previously on Vanderpump Rules. Thank God you're finally here, by the way. Every other girl is intimidated by the blonde with the great ass. Go to her. Ow! Hey. Welcome to Sir. Kristen's been jealous and insecure of Ariana in the past. Don't spread rumors about my boyfriend. All I said was, they're hooking up. You're here. You're still on their territory. Oh, it's mine too. Well, make it yours then. Would you dare me to get her name on there? She is your ex girlfriend. I don't know when I'm going to show stuff to this. Let me see the inside of your arm. We need to talk. You were just so disrespectful to me. Kristen has no problem bringing her nonsense and her bullshit to my restaurant. Your actions have consequences. A couple days ago, I found a lump yeah. under my chest. So they could probably nothing. If I take supplements, I'm hoping so that's what it is. This is annoying. Dude, you're an idiot. It takes a special person to take the house girl and then turn it around. You know how much money all that is? This relationship with Stasi is not what I want. And now I just give up. Welcome to Vanderpump Robs, a sexy, unique recap podcast that records every episode in advance. So... If breaking pump news happens, I'll be late to the party. On today's episode, I welcome Mark Pagan from the Other Men Need Help podcast. But before that, I'd like to read some listener mail. We've got to take care of some business. Today's letter comes from Lynn. Dear Mr. Robs, My name is Lynn, and I'm hoping you can help me. Recently, my daughter Stephanie and her no-good husband Derek came over for some socially distanced backgammon. I took this opportunity to give them a gift for my perfect little grandson, Graydon. A onesie that says, I'm the number one guy in this group. I just thought it was so dang cute because little Graydon really is the number one guy in our little family group, especially after Derek ruined Thanksgiving this year with his TikTok dances. Anyway, Stephanie got very upset with me when I presented them with this gift, saying all sorts of nasty things about someone named Jack Taylor. Now, I don't know what sort of friends my daughter and her husband have made since they last visited me, but Stephanie hasn't been this upset since Thanksgiving, so I know it must be serious. Derek tried to calm her down by bringing up someone named Britley, but it didn't work. Stephanie just continued to scream, Once a cheater, always a cheater. And, There's no way he's going to the gym that much. I kind of drifted off a bit. They do this a lot. But I also heard them say, Faith, so maybe my prayers have been answered and they're going to go see Deacon Walters about counseling. I couldn't get any answers out of them before they left, so I'm writing you, Mr. Robs. I found my grandson's onesie on Netscape. It said a lot about someone named Vanderpump Rules, and your first name is Vanderpump, so I'm hoping you can help me find a new gift to get my perfect little grandson, Graydon, that won't ruin my daughter's awful marriage. Love and light, Lynn. Wow, uh, sorry for the trouble there, Lynn. I'm sure you're really confused. Um, in terms of gift giving for a baby, it's a total crapshoot. The gift is really for the parents, so just get them a gift card to Applebee's or something. Parents love Applebee's. Thanks for the email, Lynn. 
If you, the listener, would like to write me, you can do that at VanderpumpRobs at gmail.com. Now let's get into today's recap. It's Season 2, Episode 6 of Vanderpump Rules, Lisa's Angels. It's a beautiful day in West Hollywood, 79 degrees at Villa Rosa, Lisa's home. A portion of the Sir staff are there to help plan for Pride. Once again, Lisa's pal Kevin Lee is coordinating the float and the event at Sir. Lisa asks friend of the podcast, Sheena, to perform her hit song, The Girl I Want to Be. And everyone else, Katie, Tom Sandoval, Jeremy, and friend of the podcast, Peter Madrigal, are just happy that Lisa called them the responsible staff members. My gift to the gay community is muscle men dressed up as little white furry angels. So, hey guys, this is my gift to you. Later that day, Jax, Tom, and Tom grab their BMX bikes and talk about the cancer scare. Hey, what a great day. It is a good day. Turns out, Jax only had a cyst, and Tom Sandoval reminds us that it was hard to believe Jax because Jax lies constantly. The scare was good for Jax, though. He now is completely comfortable saying goodbye to Stasi and hello to every other human being in Los Angeles. And over at Sir, the team has been asked to show up early for a staff meeting. Hello. Hi. When Lisa calls a staff meeting, that generally means that someone's in trouble. So I'm looking around the room right now thinking, who screwed up? Lisa introduces the staff to Ariana, reminds everyone that she's worked for her at Villa Blanca for just under three years, and that Ariana is an excellent bartender. And she is. Her and Tom just put out a cocktail book called Fancy AF Cocktails. I guess it's about a year old now, but totally pick it up. Lisa quickly pivots to planning for pride. Wholeheartedly, and I don't want any of your nonsense of last year. We're not drinking alcohol. We are not drinking alcohol now. Absolutely not. Wait, 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 wait. No, this is a joke. So inappropriate. Okay, so I need somebody to stay here and not be on the float and hold fort. Kristen volunteers to hold down the fort at Sir while the team wear their wings. And Lisa is glad because now she doesn't have to break the news that Kristen wouldn't have been participating in the parade anyway. After Christina Kelly shoehorns in a comment about Jax's Stasi tattoo, there's a rambunctious moment where Jax has this to say to our good friend Tom Sandoval. She's not my girlfriend whatsoever. Guys, and Jax's I body, so he cares. You would never in a million years get her name tattooed. No. You've been dating your girlfriend for five years. I'm no. not even dating her if I got her name tattooed. The next day, the staffer helping build the pride float. Lisa asks Katie, Stasi, and friend of the podcast Peter Madrigal, what the deal is with the rumors about Ariana. Katie and Stasi are very clear that it was three years ago, and it's just rumors because Kristen gets jealous when Tom has friends that are girls. Across town at Smart Boy Studios, Sheena has a meeting with her producer Mike. Hi. Oh, hello. With How all the excitement of pride, she wants her next single to be even better than the last. If I come out of the studio with a song that makes you want to work, twerk, drink, <laughs> mission accomplished. Nice meeting you. You too. Hello. And that night at the Wellsborn, friend of the podcast Peter Magical and Jax 
meet up with two of Jax's good friends, Ben and Dave. Now that Jax is single again, he's ready to have a night out with the boys. You know, just the boys hanging, hanging with the boys. I've had relations with waitresses, porn stars, celebrities, never a ballerina. I guess it's a first for everything. Maybe it's just me, but this scene is a bit awkward. We get more shots? We know so much about chaps, but these ladies don't know what we know. Also, drunk kisses with camera lights, it's just nothing is flattering in this moment. But enough about that. It's time for Pride! Sheena is prepping her song, which is on loop 44 times. With your song, you want it like on a, a rotate thing or, you know... That's the thing, we have it on a loop, but it's like 44 times that it plays. I don't think 44 times will be enough for these kids. Well, then it'll start over. And Tom Sandoval is kind of glad Kristen isn't there. He knows that she's a ticking time bomb when rumors are involved. As time goes on, we see that Christina Kelly and Stasi are dividing the staff into two parties, A group and B group. The B group in their eyes being Sheena's song and the dance team that goes along with it, and the lesser of the two groups. You know, a real mature thing to do. We have two teams. We're obviously the A team. I would say it's like, you know, good versus evil, but I'm not so sure that we're not the evil one. While that's going on, friend of the podcast, Peter Madrigal, uh, Tom Sandoval, and Jax share beers. And we learn that Jax didn't even know about gay people until he started getting into modeling. Hard to believe, but I guess he grew up in the Midwest. Lisa takes their beers and reminds everyone that none of this is about the staff, and it's about supporting the gay community. But just like the previous year, whenever a large group of big personalities share an extremely small stage, or float, things begin to get explosive. Stasi's champagne throne is taller than Sheena's singing platform. Sheena wants to be in the spotlight. Jax brings up the lady he met the night before. And oh my gosh, even before the float begins to move... Is it asking too much? I mean, we're taking a short trip. It never stops. Like, do you want to piss me off? It doesn't matter. I've pissed you off since day one. Oh, so you're just going to do it just to be a You're automatically mad at me no matter what. After the parade, there's a big, big party at Sir because it's a day to celebrate. And it's the busiest day of the year for all of the Sir bartenders. And something extremely cool happens at this point. Lisa meets Wilson Cruz, who at the point of this episode's recording is the national spokesperson for GLAAD. You may remember Wilson Cruz from My So-Called Life or the hit CBS all-access show Star Trek Discovery. He's a fantastic actor and it was really cool to see him in this scene. I actually met Wilson Cruz once in Las Vegas, 2019. He was one of the nicest celebrities I have ever met. But back to VPR. Kristen gets cut from her shift and we learn that she saw a text on Tom's phone from the night before. After the text I saw last night. I know. I've been trying so hard 
for so long to just ignore all these rumors, but I find myself going through Tom's phone pretty often when he's not around. And this time around, I see that he's texting with Ariana, and it makes me think. But the text she found literally says, I just want it to be Coachella again. And Tom replies, yeah, me too, about Coachella. We will just have our own in my yard with a boombox. Really? What the f*** am I supposed to think? Stasi and Katie encourage Kristen to just confront Ariana about these texts. And she does. Ariana says no, she hasn't hooked up with Tom. And Ariana keeps saying no. This is still not good enough for Kristen. She pushes and admits to going through his texts. Ariana says, yeah, we text, and generally that's how friends communicate. But Ariana has a theory. Here's this theory that I have about the rumors. I think that they were all started by Kristen. Years ago, she said some jealous stuff, as usual, to somebody. And two years later, it's gone through every single person. And now in the game of telephone, it's come back to her. And it's driving her crazy. But it's all her fault, and she's the one who started it. Everyone continues to party. Kevin is drunk as shit, and Jax goes out by the dumpsters to take a break. Katie tries to get Jax's attention... But he lets her know that he doesn't want to talk. He gets more harassment from Stasi and fires back himself. In the hubbub of all of this, we realize that Jax doesn't want to be with Stasi, but that he's still texting her, that he loves her. People are just arguing left and right. They're drunk. But while those folks are out back by the dumpster, out in the front of Sir, Kristen and Tom have a moment. She confronts Tom about the text messages. Well, to be honest, she says... I just confronted Ariana, and she told me everything. You know, that simple manipulation technique that usually saves all relationships. Tom says he doesn't think there's an issue. That's how friends communicate. They text, and Kristen says then maybe they aren't in the right relationship. Tom asks if this is about Ariana or if this is about Vegas, and unfortunately Kristen lets loose on how she can't trust him and that he's a liar and then she just walks off. Everybody sucks here. Anyway, if I missed anything, let me know. You can write in at VanderpumpRobs at gmail.com. After the break, I speak with Mark Pagan of the award-winning podcast, Other Men Need Help. You do not want to miss it. You know when you take that first sip of tea in the morning and you're like, today might be okay. Well, this podcast is kind of like that, but for your ears and hopefully your heart. I'm Leah Palmieri, and I'm the host of the brand new podcast, A Sip of Positivity. The world is wild these days, but when you just need a little break and something nice, that's where I come in. I'll be chatting with actors, authors, influencers, and other lovely people about the things that are helping them get through these very unpredictable times. It's a look on the bright side, and it's A Sip of Positivity. Available now. Welcome back to Vanderpump Robs. It's me, Robs, and uh, today I am here with a good friend, the creator and host of Other Men Need Help podcast. It's my buddy, Mark Pagan. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. It's good to see you. It's good to see you and meet your dog. Also, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much the dog is talked about on the show, but well, uh, anytime there's an opportunity, I will bring up Elvis. He is, <laughs> you know, a quarantine adoptee. Uh, he has now been in our home longer than he was in 
uh, foster care. I could wax on about my dog all day. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I am thrilled to be here, actually, for a number of reasons. And uh, one of which kind of kind of circling back to what you just said. We've had great conversations over the years and we've never been on a podcast together. Like we've yeah. never had like had like a podcast dialogue together. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in I am so in your home right now with this show. And I know you've you've had at least one, if not multiple other guests who have never seen the show before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so I'm so putting myself in your hands here. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. It's really good to see you. I uh, this has been such this has been the year of a media diet yeah. because of just of, of quarantine as well as like sort of the ripple effects of COVID of like searching for nurturing through media. But I've just been I've I've like just done so much media analysis without even trying. And so along with Vanderpump, which is this is the first episode I ever watched, um, there's been. Uh, we've we've started to like bring a little bit more reality TV into the home in a way that I haven't before. So it's a strange escape, you know, as much as it can like great on you, certain shows, certain characters. And I do say characters, not cast members. It's like junk food. Sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's not always going to be good for you, but there's a, a certain part of it that like is comforting in small doses, you know? And if you dip your toes in it just a little bit, and you keep your wits about you, it's kind of, it's more than kind of, it's fun to be able to experience things that like so many other people have experienced so much more often in their life. You know, <laughs> you tend to hit a lot of heavy subject matter with your podcast, which listeners will talk about at the end of this episode. But I am interested in kind of before we get into what really stuck out to you in this episode of VPR, but like your relationship with television and reality television in general. You said you just, it's kind of new to the home, but like, what did you grow up with? What did you, what kind of like brought you to your TV watching today? I'm going to go a little bit of a segue. In the last week, I've been watching a lot. Caitlin, my girlfriend's been out of town, watching a lot of Burt Reynolds movies. And I didn't grow up with Burt Reynolds. So it's like, I'm coming to it super late. And I'm like, why now? And I had this whole thing this week of thinking about like comforting masculine figures that I liked watching at an early age. And Three's Company was my diet. I just found John Ritter super comforting. So like like physical comedian, male comedians on like 80s and 70s sitcoms were just my diet. And then going into high school in terms of television, I watched I watched a lot. I was a huge um, early Road Rules and Real World fan. And I still am sort of like shaking off. Uh, and that's another thing. I had a reaction to watching this of like, what would what is putting my shoes in 17-year-old me watching these guys here? Yeah. And like what, what a teenager's view of these guys are. Because I had like a real fixation on a number of real world cast members away of like modeling myself after. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about, by the way. <laughs> Just, I, I just small little segue, and I'm sure I am one of a million men on, at least in the United States, that when the episode, you're talking real world, I definitely modeled after that, but like Dawson's Creek, when uh, like Joshua Jackson frosted his tips, 
Like that was exactly uh, yeah. what I wanted to do. I didn't even know men could color their hair, you know, because I was just after the punk era and just before, you know, it was the 90s. There was a lot of panic going on, which we will discuss a lot of that in this episode, too. But like, <laughs> We don't want to be like our dads for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. So we seek out these figures that like could be how kind of we want to represent ourselves. But sorry, go on. Yeah, no, similar. I mean, I I was when I was in high school, right before I started high school, my my father passed away and you're already in that zone of like identity. I mean, there's all these mm-hmm. there's periods in your life where you're figuring out your identity or claiming it. And my father, besides also passing away, his inheritance was just body hair. Like he just like <laughs> like like just being a little a little Puerto Rican boy who had all this body hair and seeing these these long torsoed, mostly hairless and manufactured hairless bodies on things like the real world, or I just I had such a, a strong fixation on that. And and then this in particular, there's like there's this episode, and I'm sure. There are tons of episodes where it's it's like a minute three, you gotta take your shirt off. Yeah. Like, you know, we gotta we gotta see that. And so it's like I was sort of having like a like a flashback scenario of like watching it through the gaze of a 16-year-old uh and going, Oh, should I oh man, I gotta get rid of my chest hair, or like I got too much, or you know, I, I just look like a giant mustache, and these yeah. guys are <laughs> these guys are surfboards. Like these are, you know, they're the beautiful waxed bodies you know that they just did like 20 push-ups before they hit record yeah this isn't advertised to young youngsters i almost said jesus christ i'm about to turn 36 (laughs) um but like to to a young audience but you know it's being consumed by a young audience yeah so even if it's a stumble upon it's still a representation of what some folks may deem the ideal look whether mm-hmm. that be men or women, you know, and it's a faux representation of people. And although it's attainable, it's not realistic. Everyone mm-hmm. is unique. But we can get through that in our topics ahead because you texted me last night. These are the things that really stuck out to me. And I wanted to hone in on at least three of them. So let's start with uh, the first one, which I believe was like the scene where Jax and the two Toms are riding their BMX bikes. Now, yeah. why did that oh, jump yeah. out to you? Well, and I'm, I'm going to put a caveat here. I have a really hard time with names. So sure. I may just, I'll try to, I'm, it may end up being a little bit of like, you know, the guy who. Uh, it's okay. Everyone knows this is your first time watching and we thank you for your service. <laughs> um, so Jax is the beefy dude. He's the guy who makes out with the 20 year old. And and yes. the episode is the one that's like recently yeah. single. Okay, yeah, recently single Jacks and just has a cyst. Does not have cancer. Um, <laughs> and then the other two men are Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz, who later on go on to start their own bar, Tom Tom. But uh, yes, so they're riding BMX bikes and brown bagging it. Number one, it's it's such a great scene. I'm just objectively speaking, in terms of media. How do we how do we do a transition scene here? Like, what do we do here? How do we show male bonding and all of these things? The thing that caught my attention, number one, is I've not never lived in Southern California, never lived in Los Angeles, but that's the first time I've seen people bike. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> the first time I've seen people bike in terms of like a chosen form of transportation. There's no way that these three guys would be doing this. Unless they, unless, and and that's the thing, it's like, I'm coming to this new, maybe these guys are BMX stars or something like that. No, you're you're right. I don't think I've ever seen them bike since this scene. Yeah. So, but it is a great little setup. It's a great setup. And like, to me, it's like, it's the Top Gun volleyball scene, you know, oh, whatever yeah. that, whatever that song is, like <laughs> playing with the boys or, <laughs> it's just like, it's just, you can, you know, it's just like the guys are hanging out in the being bad. But it was also the first indication, like, wow, they're really, it's like, they're sort of like hitting a rhythm of manufacture here because it's like, we're doing the, we're doing the bike ride and then, okay, we're going to need you to take your shirt off here. <laughs> and then like, and then just like the prop master had to brown bag. I don't even know if there are actually beers in that, you know, in the, in the brown bags, but. Um, but we're it, led to believe. We're led to believe. It was such an interesting treatise of like this, these are these are masculine emblems and ma- and male bonding. This is what we're going to say. What these characters should be doing, and again, it was so it's so beautifully scripted in a way. I was like, this is a great movie scene. Maybe not everyone's been there, but we can all relate to the scene where like one of the friends is like, oh hey, I brought something that we can all like partake in, whether that be a joint or a pack of smokes for the first time, or just like you know what. I got some fucking beers. Let's yeah. like just crack one open and then ride home in a like semi buzzed state. I don't even know if they would have gotten that far, but uh, it, we, I, it's something you can relate to. And then of course there's shit talking and there's goofing off, and it's like yeah, we've all been in a situation similar to this. Regardless of like how absurd and ridiculous <laughs> and like stereotype it is, I have a visceral response to sort of like the hangout movie. I could probably watch that scene for the 45 minutes of the show. I know you have to give you have to manufacture the drama and all mm-hmm. of the fights and, and things like that. And there's that part of me that's like, I just don't get it, man. Just just stick with the hangout. Like, even <laughs> if it's all, even if it's, if it's like, if it actually doesn't make any sense, like, why would you have a beer and go shirtless five minutes in your bike ride? Whoever sort of crafted that, as ridiculous as it is, I have to give them credit for at least, like, I'm going to try to embody male bonding here. Yes. And like, and I'm sure these scenes, they have these, these things, like, we have to manufacture, we have to find the best ways to showcase this bonding as you know it's a transition scene or whatever it is but like this is like the moment and it's and i and as well like for characters like you have to show they can't all be assholes all the time even though they're being like you're being jerky in that scene yeah but they, i think the bottom line is like we're just hanging out yeah for sure um let's move on to topic two which is like yeah the main piece of this episode revolves around uh, the Pride Parade and the Pride celebration celebration in West Hollywood. Uh, Lisa Vanderpump always has a float. It's there's there's always an episode in Vanderpump Rules that takes place around Pride. Um, last year is almost exactly the same situation. People get drunk and argue on the float. Um, happens in season three happens in season four as well as i remember but there's like a weird nuance that you brought up and maybe nuance isn't the right word but take it away because 
it really was thought provoking in what you shared with me before we recorded. There were a number of things that seemed manufactured in this in the show as like, I don't think it's a surprise for anybody coming to it. So we, we talked about the scene of male bonding where it's like, that's not a real thing that's happening. Although I appreciate what they're doing here. The gay pride scenes and the interaction with gay pride and sort of like gay people was fascinating to me because I've, I've seen material over the years, whether it's through news or whether it's through like reality TV or a documentary in which you're showcasing, you're, you're showing people for like who they are, like you're trying to highlight a high level of ignorance. And a lot of times I'll go like, wow, this sucks that somebody is, you know, unfortunately this ignorant about yeah. whatever it is. So we'll, we'll limit it to like to, to, to gay culture, homosexuality. As dumb as they make these people out to be, I'm like, they are not, they don't hold these beliefs. Absolutely. They do not hold these beliefs because the way that they were interacting with it, I don't know what the right analogy is here, but it really was, it did feel like aliens had observed human behavior on television and then were sort of being, and then creating a television show where aliens were playing human beings to convince (laughs) other human beings that the aliens were human beings. It was so like, it was just so off where, or like the, yeah. the, the TV show V, I just expected them to rip off their faces and there were lizards <laughs> underneath. Because it's like, I, I don't necessarily like these people. I don't have necessarily respect for them. I'm, you know, I'm, they're, 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 they're very dense. and Well, and it's one episode, so you don't even have any sort of backstory to justify or to manufacture any sort of, sympathy empathy you know like you just have what is in the episode in front of you and these these folks wherever wherever they're coming from so i know that jacks jacks his name right yeah he he mentioned coming from michigan it's like fine they're they're you know however long he's been in los angeles but most of these cast members like most people aren't from la but they work in the fucking service industry in in west hollywood yeah it's like their interaction, their daily interaction with like a really like you have to go so far out of your way to be that not even ignorant. It's not even ignorant. Just it's literally like blind, like gay people exist. I've met two, I believe. It was so like their ignorance was so formalized. Yeah. Uh, that it was just it was it was it was almost a fascinating choice. And I was like. That's where I almost had like more disrespect for the producers. Not that they made these people look so ignorant. It was like, you guys didn't do your job right. Like you're, you're supposed to convince me yeah. that they, they hold these beliefs. Like I can, I have some patience for the, the biking and drinking scene as manufactured as it is. But I was like, uh-uh, I see, I see behind the curtain here. But bartenders at Sir who are just a doorstep down from like other popular gay bars and like always participate in the gay pride parade Mm -hmm. it's part of the world they have put themselves in you know so to to act like it's new and different and want to make sure that they're representing themselves correctly or whatever it is is like the easiest way to make an edit i think it feels like like okay let's just uh you know people don't like jacks in this season so Let's just cut it up to make it sound as ignorant as possible because we just need to get from this talking scene to the parade to the end with Kristen yelling at Tom, you know? And one thing I will say about this that I know that you probably were like, holy shit as well, but uh, seeing Wilson Cruz in this episode 
come talk to Lisa Vanderpump. And it's like, yes, holy shit. Wilson Cruz, from, I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, like my so-called life, you know, yeah. Star yeah. Trek discovery this yeah. year, you know, like this dude is a fucking high profile actor. And I had completely blanked that he has this like blip of a scene in this episode. Yeah, that was a fascinating cameo. He's been an interesting guy. He's, he's come, he's come into, not come into my life personally, but just the, the last six months. I have a, uh, that was, that was a, that was, I had a strange moment with that and I can't pinpoint what my reaction was. I felt, I felt such sympathy for him because he, he does actually seem like, like a deep advocate. Yeah. He's, you know, early media spotlight as somebody who was, I don't know how early he came out, but, um, you know, this is something, this is sort of a legacy for him. And this is something I think that's like, not to sound too naive, but it's very important to him. And so it was a really interesting interaction, especially not having, I've never seen Lisa. I've never seen like her. I, this is also my first time watching her interact uh, with, with anybody. And I wanted to be celebrated a little bit. I also felt it was a little bit like Chekhov's gun. So it's like, he's coming back by the end of the episode, right? Like, he's going to be making a speech and it's going to be, and like all of a sudden like the Vanderpump or Lisa's like, and we're donating blah, blah, blah. You know, we're donating chats. Like yeah. we're, we're doing this. Uh, so I had all these thoughts. It was, a, it was an interesting cameo to see. Yeah. Well, and also up. like just one thing that jumped out at me in that cameo is that like, it didn't seem to matter that there were cameras around for him. No, he knew that Lisa was a spokesperson, and he almost had his back to the camera the entire time. You know, it was like, hey, I need you to know my name is Wilson Cruz. I am the head of GLAAD, you know, for this area right now, and we love what you do, whatever he ends up saying. And, And of course, you know, that's great that, like, later she's like, we're doing all of this stuff, but I think the Chekhov's gun thing was perfect. It was a Chekhov's dud because, like, they had a perfect opportunity to be like, no, we can showcase something, and mm-hmm. they chose not to. Yeah. I don't want to cut you off, but this does lead directly into the last thing that you brought up to me, which is Kristen desperately trying to get out of the relationship she's in with Tom. Like, and that's the best way I think I can put it, and I'm not trying to, like, slag her off or anything like that, but, like, she has made the choice to go through someone's private phone and find evidence that he is cheating on her. Now, you probably know through context clues in the episode that Tom has recently cheated on Kristen. He went to a modeling shoot in Vegas. He was at the inns. They were they were fighting all the time, if you couldn't tell. And uh, he slept with someone else. Now, that being said, she could have ended it there. He could mm-hmm. have ended it there. Mm-hmm. They chose to stay together, whether that's manufactured or not. I don't know. Um, but by making an effort to keep your relationship going, you are sabotaging yourself by creating distrust, you know, and it does feel like you didn't find what you wanted. And then you tried to lie again to find something that you wanted. I don't know why this came into my mind. I do and I do not. So this, this may feel totally left field, but as a, as a cinephile as well, I'm sure you've heard so these apocryphal, stories of stanley kubrick and like the a 100 takes you know yeah. or something like that we do that and so that was to me that was like it was like watching those 100 takes 
or experiencing them as like as like Shelley Duvall and and it's just like oh god either either both in terms of like the the producer side as well as like um, um, not Lisa um Kristen Kristen yeah or Kristen's sort of like version of of having to play the Shelley Duvall or play the Kubrick where it's just like <laughs> Or I'm sitting there as a production assistant, you know, as a, as the viewer, yeah. as like a production assistant. It's like, fuck, I just I have to pee. Like, I get, just get, like do it right. Like, just do yeah. it right. Like, or just make a decision. Just make a decision here. It was it was just like watching something where it was, it was almost like hypnotic and and and. Uh, it's like you know the ending before you see what leads up to it, which, <laughs> yeah. but you have no idea how they're going to get from point A to point B. Like, yeah, I've never been in a situation like that. I've, I, we've, no. I mean, I've been in dirty relationships, but like, I can't imagine being on Tom's side of this and just like, yeah, you saw, you, I was texting my friend. Do you, you mind? Should I not do that? She's like, yeah, but she told me what really happened. And then like, just being like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know, <laughs> like, it was like betting all of your chips on something and losing all of the money and then like having to use your loss as your like emotional response. Yeah. And uh, I would I, I'm going to put a something to the listeners and put this on Rob. And uh not that you I don't know that you ever do anything like this, but maybe somebody maybe somebody who listens can offer you this. I want to see that scene. I want to see somebody transplant it to like a police interrogation scene, like the world's oh, worst shit. police interrogation scene where it's like, you're just like <laughs> suffering as a viewer watching, you know, just like, an, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm going to leave it up to whomever, either Rob, you need to recreate <laughs> it or a listener needs to do it for you, or they need to send you a script or they take the clips and, and turn it into like, I'm putting that out to the, Vanderpump Rob's. I want that to happen. Uh, People have sent me fanfic before, but it was of the um, erotic nature of Vanderpump Rules. So Uh. if listeners who have done that, um, please recreate this scene. You can put whatever end of the scene you would like. But uh, if you're into writing, let's do it. Because if that script comes my way, if it comes to VanderpumpRobs at gmail.com, I will manufacture that scene into a bonus episode. <laughs> I really like where your head's at, Mark. I think that'd be great. And I know there's I know there's at least one listener out there that is just they are cracking their knuckles right now and they can they can knock this out of the park. The paper is in the typewriter. Yeah. It is click clacking away right now. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Well, Mark, well, first, did you have any final thoughts on that or are you good? Because I was I, I I think I mean we could go on for a year yeah. talking about that scene alone, but I uh, yeah I now own this episode, uh, so I it might be something where it just becomes a a, a piece of study for me. I think um, <laughs> I think that is great because um, you host your own podcast you've that you have created that I want you to be able to express to the people, but I do think the way you've analyzed the scenes you've brought to this could make for a really good like bonus type of episode of how things are represented, especially in reality television. But uh, why don't you tell people about Other Men Need Help? Yeah. Well, we are officially, we just started a third season and uh, we do a show that is a playful look 
at the ways men present themselves and what's behind that presentation. Uh, we usually, a quick shorthand, as we say, it's Sesame Street, Sesame Street about men for adults. So it's very playful. It's a uh, narrative. It is first person. It's very honest. And we look at sort of like the everydayness of masculinity, um, not the big picture things like the structural issues, but it's, it's the like, it's like I shave, like this is the insecurity I have and this is the ripple effect of it. And this is what I did to hide it. And, you know, um, so this season we're doing, we're looking at friendships between men and we're ages like five to 95 and um, looking at basically the quiet ways, like the very, very quiet ways men are connecting in adulthood and the things that we're not paying attention to. Um, we were doing it for three years. And it's like, it's just, I, I adore, I adore the people that we talk with. I adore this subject matter. I, I like what we talked about early in this episode about, I mean, I was a media consumer and I'm fascinated by the ways we, we all represent ourselves and like where we, where we've gotten that diet and the ways that we try to fight it. And, uh, oh, there's, uh, there's your pet. Yeah, the bird, you might, uh, listeners might have heard the flapping of wings. We're taking care of a pigeon right now. Um, so we've bookended this episode <laughs> with pets. I love pets. it. Yeah. yeah. But I don't want to take you away from that. I think that, like, I think it's a great podcast. I love the show. I appreciate you being on this show and being able to uh, bring your just fantastic point of view. So I really appreciate it, Mark. Um, Thanks. So if people want to find out more about Other Men Need Help, obviously they listen to podcasts. They know where they can find that. But you do newsletters, you have social media posts. Where can people find the extras? Like Rob said, find us, find the podcast wherever you listen. Come see me on Twitter. I'm at the Mark Pagan. That's probably where I post the most information about the show. We are very active. Here's what I tell people: is like we're on we're on Instagram, we're on a Facebook and Twitter. We have the most fun on Instagram. So if you're in terms of other men, that's where we are. We're mostly hitting it out of the hitting it out of our own park. But yeah, come see us on Instagram. We're always open uh, as well to hearing from listeners and pitches. So if you have something that you think would be great to talk about, send us an email at um, othermenneedhelp at gmail.com. But just listen to the show and hope you like it and say hi if you can. Hi. hi. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate having you on Vanderpump Rules. And uh, hopefully I can get you to come on uh, an episode later on. And we can yes. uh, <laughs> we can <laughs> deep dive even more into this show. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, thanks again, buddy. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Rob. Wow, what a great chat. Just hanging with the boys, you know. Thanks, Mark. But now is the part of the episode you've been waiting for. What was the dumpster moment, you ask? Well, being that I went to college in Kansas, I know all about the real-life dumpster humans from the Westboro Baptist Church. And being that they even have screen time on this show, make it the ultimate dumpster moment. It's like half a dozen of the idiots over in the corner. We just pass them by, shoot them the finger, and off we go. A matter of national security? Come on! Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again to Mark Pagan for joining me. Go check out his show, Other Men Need Help. It's a fantastic podcast that will be enjoyed by all people. Jeremy Siegel composed the music for this podcast, and Marie Hill is my season two editor. Thank you both. You're excellent human beings. 
And so are you, listener. This podcast is a Pink Jeans production, so you can find out more at pinkjeansproductions.com or follow us on all of the social channels, Pink Jeans Productions, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever you want. It's great. We will see you next time on Vanderpump Robs. Wait, Rob? Is that who we're talking about? Yeah.